Well, good morning. It's great to be with you all here today. Uh, Kirk sends his greetings. He's all the way over in Perth. Uh, he's gone to visit the churches over there. And uh, last night he had a wonderful time with a new church plant that's over there at Wellard uh, with Matt and Manu. Um, and they just love the Holy Spirit, that church. And so they were having a party in God last night. And then uh, today he's at the Bunbury Vineyard, um, which is, I want to say, south of Perth. South of Perth. Thanks, Melvin. Um, and a wonderful church um, that's been established for about 15 or so years. A wonderful group of people. So he sends his regards today and his greetings, and uh, he'll be back next week. Um, I wanted to say thank you to Peter for that first scripture verse that he read out um, on love. It's actually in my notes. And I just think that's so cool how God does that, how the Holy Spirit just links us all together. And some of the incredible worship songs that Simone led us in, um, in drawing us deeper into the love of God this morning. So I just love how God does that. And it's such an encouragement when you're the speaker that um, actually, yeah, maybe what I'm about to say is from God. So, um, so it's going deeper, but it actually, I think, should be called going deeper in love um, after hearing that this morning. And if you were here last week, we had Maria Ning from uh, the lead pastor, one of the lead pastors from Marion Vineyard, and she just preached a great message on the Trinity um, who is God? Um, and just reminding us again of the beautiful relationship and dance that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have together. And so today, um, I want to talk a little bit more about that, about how then do we have that relationship with God? How do we grow deeper that they modeled that amazing relationship that we too can partner in? So um, let's go see what God does. Uh, this message I have preached with Kirk in a three-part series. It's changed a little bit as I rewrote it for today. Um, but it's part of a series that we've taught in other places, um, going deeper, wider, further with God and the way to maturity in that. So today we're going to be looking at the going deeper and as I said, deeper in love. I've discovered in my Christian walk, as I've walked with God, that the way to maturity is a constant, consistent one. That I don't think we ever quite arrive into that mature, all-perfect person. That was Jesus. But he gives us the benchmark it's part of our everyday journey, our everyday walk, that there's always something to learn, places to go deeper in our relationship with God. I'm not sure we ever arrive. Knowing God, there are infinite depths to who he is and there's always the mystery of God that we'll never quite fathom. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process of growing closer to God. 
It arises from our sincere, active cooperation with the initiating, empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And it results in habits of righteousness. For me, it means that I'm constantly being challenged. And I think I'm probably not alone in that. It calls for me to add my will to wanting to grow, to consistently opening my heart, keeping it soft, keeping it teachable on what's on God's heart. He knows me the best. He knows you the best. And he's the one who knows us the most intimately. Scripture talks about him knowing us in our innermost being. And we are so loved by God. It's from that place, acknowledging, accepting and receiving the fullness of the love of God for our lives that we can go deeper with God. God's in the people business and he's in the business of changing our lives through a deepening relationship with him. Well, how do we do that? Well, today's message is not particularly how we do that, but, you know, we've had messages before on going deeper with God through prayer, scripture, obedience, sacrifice, practicing his presence and being in his presence, developing our relationship through obedience with God. Jesus himself suggests uh, one of the ways is developing a secret history with the Father. In Matthew 6, 1 to 18, Jesus talks about um, ways to do that. Um, Examples of giving to the needy in secret, not announcing it with trumpets, praying to the Father in your room or your closet. Twice Jesus states that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And that's with a deeper relationship connecting to him. Um, If you don't know who John Wimber is, I'm not sure if there's anyone in the room who doesn't know who he is. Is there anyone that doesn't know who John Wimber is? Yep, okay. So John Wimber is the founding um, father, I guess, the founding leader of the Vineyard Movement. The Vineyard Movement is a group of more than 2,000 churches across the world. Um, And he is the man that God used very profoundly um, to uh, bring renewal to the church worldwide. I think that's probably... Um, not playing it up at all, even downplaying it. God used him powerfully to bring the gospel um, in simple ways but with great power of the Holy Spirit. And as churches um, who have started through that movement, we hold very dearly the word of God and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit lived out through a kingdom theology. So I'm going to use a few quotes of his today because I just think he's no longer alive anymore. We don't get to hear the wisdom of God through him, but he had great wisdom. And um, I just enjoy, again, reading a lot of his quotes to just go, yeah, that's, that's so right. 
that's so accurate. He had, he had just a gifting of making something that was so complex, so simple for us to understand. So I'm using this quote here. It's not just about being biblically literate. We must also become biblically obedient. Going deeper with God requires obedience. So what does biblically obedient actually mean? It's an essential part of our faith, obedience, as a Christian, as someone who is a person of faith. Philippians 2.8 declares that Jesus was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Who was that for? That was for us. Matthew 16.24 reminds us again that we must take up our cross and follow Christ. But the kind of obedience that God wants from us is not solely a matter of duty, but obedience out of a heart of love, out of a relationship with Jesus. And it's that kind of relationship that Maria talked about last week that was modelled in the Trinity, that absolute relationship of love. It's only through this way that we're able to serve the Lord in humility and love. If we love God, if we accept his love for us and we love him, we'll obey him. We'll choose to walk that out and obey him. We won't be perfect in our obedience, but our heart's desire will be to submit to him. And Jesus modelled that well when he obeyed the Father and said, you know, I only do what I see my Father doing. He obeyed all that his Father had for him to do. It's from this place, our hearts filled with Jesus and hearts filled of love, where 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us, that we can fulfill the greatest commandment that Jesus taught us. In John 13.34, a new command I give you to love one another. The more I say yes to Jesus in obedience, the more I surrender myself to who he wants me to be and the things he wants me to do the deeper and closer our relationship becomes. The fullness of life is given to me. But of course, our journey isn't perfect, is it? There's challenges in life. There's day-to-day living that calls us to go deeper with God if we allow ourselves to do that. That's where the source of life and living is. Another quote from John Wimber, Remember the economy of the kingdom is simple. Every time we come to a new threshold or a new challenge in our life, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we've accumulated to that point. It costs us our life. But of course, as Christians, we know what we get in exchange for that is far greater. 
Um, I'm very thankful to the Lord for um, his plans in my life. I, you know, when I was a young person, I never imagined that I would be standing here before you today. I never imagined that I would pastor a church, have these incredible relationships, incredible people to walk life with. Uh, never imagined I'd be standing here speaking to people. And I never expected, um, on top of all of that, to end up um, overseeing a bunch of churches, to be a national director, to lead Vineyard Churches Australia. And, and quite honestly, even today as I stand here, it still shocks me a little bit, freaks me out a little bit, that responsibility um, that God calls us to. But in obedience... Because sometimes I can confess to you I, I haven't always had the right attitude <laughs> about doing this and I think everybody in the room has probably experienced that to some point in their lives on where God has called you or where God's asking you to go. Um, I've learned along the way when I felt weak, that I didn't have the skills, that I don't have the motivation uh, that I did not feel equipped. What I learned is that Jesus is enough. His counsel and might, his wisdom and power, all given to me and to you in the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's the present leader of his church and Vineyard Churches Australia. I discovered the resources are not in me, but in everything I could possibly need, I find in him. And I know that he has that for all of your lives as well. As God calls you deeper into the things he has for your life, he has every resource you could possibly need. But I've also learned there's nothing wrong with coming with fear and trembling, that there's nothing wrong with feeling weak that that's the place the Father would have us start at. And he infills us and gives us what we need. But it requires me to say yes. It requires me to step into that place of wanting to go deeper with him. All those skills that you need for a new job, all those skills you need uh, to start a marriage, all those skills... Uh, you need to raise children, being parents, caring for ageing parents. All of those things that we need to walk through life are found in Jesus. Trusting God with my children. You know, part of this role is in the last um, two years I've travelled well, actually, just this year it is. I've travelled five different times. I've travelled almost to the furthest part of the world and left them here for two weeks. And just trusting the Lord that he loves them as much as I do, that he has a great plan for their lives. And now that they're teenagers, trusting God that the Holy Spirit will speak to them to help them make good decisions and choices. Trusting the Lord every time they go out in a car at night. I always tell them to lock all their car doors. <laughs> 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 
Caitlin's laughing because the other night they were all in Jess's car and they were just parked up a little bit up the street and I, they had all met at our place and I, I had thought they'd gone in someone else's car and I saw Jess's car there with the lights on and I couldn't hear it, the motor going. I thought, oh, Jess has left and she's left her lights on. So I went up to the car and then I thought, oh, no, they're in it. So I ripped open the car door and just scared the daylights out of Caitlin. And then I said, why isn't your door locked? Your door should always be locked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now it's my turn to embarrass her. And she just rolled her eyes and said, go away, mum, we're fine. There was five of them in the car, so there was no need to worry. But trusting God in all of those things, I, I can sit in that place at home and be a bag full of fear and worry, but God doesn't want that for me. He wants me to go deeper and I'll still have those feelings, but if I give them to him and exchange them for the full measure of his love again, I can find freedom in that place. It doesn't mean I won't have that odd thought wondering how they're going. Are they being safe, making good choices? But I'm not consumed by it to the point of not doing anything else that I can think on other things. Um, public speaking, from as young as I can remember being in school, such a huge fear of public speaking. I'm an introvert, but introverts can speak publicly. They, you know, I know a lot of introverts who are amazing public speakers, so I can't blame it on that. It's just been an incredible fear. So this is me standing in front of you, choosing obedience, choosing to go deeper with God. Thankfully, the role of pastoral ministry is not just standing here. It's way more than that. Um, but the Lord has been talking to me about uh, dealing with this fear, choosing obedience, choosing him over the control of the fear in my life. And I'm... I'm weeping right now, but that's okay. Um, and this, the last couple of years, the Lord has kind of given me a theme for the year on what he wanted me to focus on with him. And this year was public speaking. You know, So in my best laid plans, it was, I said to the Lord, my wellspring, is, it feels quite shallow, the, the depth of um, having something to bring, Lord. So I'm going to read... Two books a month, at least, starting from January. <laughs> because, you know, especially reading Scripture, Scripture is, you know, the book to help develop that wellspring to go really deep with God. But in my finite wisdom, I said, I'm going to commit to two books a week. And a month, sorry. So every time someone recommended a book to me, I bought it. And I now have this massive pile. Even if I saw someone recommend a book on Facebook, I bought that book. <laughs> Kirk just looked at me like, what are you doing? Are you expecting me to read those? So here we are in the seventh month. How many books have I read? <laughs> Any guesses? Three. How many of my best laid plans should I have read? Seven. Two a month. Fourteen. <laughs> so, of course, my best laid plans are not met. But out of which wisdom was that from? My own. I can stand before you and say I got it wrong. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. I set a goal 
to achieve something that was way beyond my ability, capacity, my reach. And it wasn't something that God asked me to do. And yet, despite my failed plans and my very feeble attempts at growing and maturing, I feel the Holy Spirit filling me up. In my vulnerability, in my weakness, he's growing me up, strengthening me, encouraging me. How is this happening? I think and I believe it's because I'm throwing myself at the mercy of God. I'm asking him every day to give me what I need. Give me my daily bread, as he taught us to pray. I'm drawing closer and closer to him and my dependence is on him and in him, not on a person or a book or a best laid plan. But that's not to say those things aren't valuable tools. Information, books, training, encouragement, wisdom from others are all really important. But in season and as God releases them and as his spirit draws you and not often in our plans. The books I have read I've really enjoyed um, but I wouldn't say that they have been the thing that have, have drawn me deeper to the Lord. It's often desperation. Isn't it true the most desperate circumstances in our lives are the things that draw us closer to God? In the times when we're not so desperate, we feel good about our relationship, but are we really grabbing hold of what he has for us in those times? My point is that without the Lord, without the power of the Holy Spirit and without the right posture of the heart, all the other stuff is well-meaning and helpful, but possibly not transforming of our inner being with God. Another John Wimber quote. It seems the more I think about not sinning, the more I sin. The more I think about just loving Jesus, the less I seem to sin. Falling in love seems to be the key. Are you falling more in love with Jesus every day? Do you know, it occurred to me a few years ago that you can pray and ask God to give you a hunger and a thirst after him. It was like a lightning bolt this one particular day. I was in a particularly dry season, quite a painful season about five years ago. I ended up in intensive care with pneumonia and then four weeks later, Kirk and I were due to fly to the US to attend a more love, more power conference. That's what it was called. And boy, did I need those things. I needed more love, more power. It couldn't have been more aptly named. One of the speakers was sharing from the front and he prayed and asked God to give him a renewed hunger and thirst. I'd felt so dry, separated from God out of my own pain and bitterness due to life circumstances and things that had happened to me and around me, that it had never occurred to me to reach out to God and ask for this. I had prayed that, you know, my situation was desperate. But had I prayed that he would give me a new hunger and thirst, that he would meet, that he would come? So I started praying that way. I started praying every day, God, give me a hunger and give me a thirst. And I became relentless about it because I really wanted my circumstances to change. And I came across this great quote, not a John Wimber one. 
Your capacity to receive is based on your hunger to pursue. So how hungry are we to pursue God, both in the times when we're desperate and in the times when we're not? Is it driving you to to pursue him and then lead you into obedience? Ask God every day for hunger and for thirst because he promises to meet you there. When God has felt distant or when he felt like he isn't listening and when I felt helpless, pursuing God for a change in my life requires me to pursue his heart. In a season of waiting, he calls us to go deeper. And if I go back even further, 20, 23 years ago, uh, I had a very long season of waiting. Um, it's probably the most significant time of desperation in my life. Lots of weeping into the carpet, uh, lots of times face down on the floor. And it's one of the things um, I love about this church. You know, we're a church where we don't wear any masks. You can come and say just how how you are feeling, how you are going with God. And I remember this one particular Mother's Day. It was a party here in worship. We were worshipping, people were dancing, and here I was on the floor crying The carpet was literally wet with my tears because I had gone another Mother's Day where I wasn't having a baby, where I wasn't pregnant. That was a sincere time of desperation and trust in God and a time of him asking me, would I be obedient? Would I have faith that he would follow through with what he promises? And, of course, you all know my story. They, Two of them sit here today, uh, but they didn't... um, come without a lot of sowing of weeping and tears and yet God is so faithful and so loving. Some of the most powerful times have been when the Holy Spirit has met me and I've had an encounter of power. Sometimes the realisation of what God has done in my spirit comes much later. I often don't have words for what God has done or to describe what he's done in me. But you know in your spirit that something's changed. There's moments happen where your heart is connected with the Father's heart, that he bypasses our minds and our thoughts to go straight to our spirit. He doesn't need to tell us what he's doing. He just chooses to come and set us free because of his heart of love. And I know that my spirit has connected to the Holy Spirit at a deeper and profound level. So I thought today that I would share with you a scripture verse. This um, one in particular really impacted me 23 years ago, as I said, when I was struggling with infertility. And three years after that, I struggled with infertility again, which was another big shock. Never expected to have it twice. Um, and I just thought that we, I would... Talk through this a little bit and um, we'll ask the Father what he wants to do. So Psalm 37, 3 to 7. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So as I said, these verses have been a lifeline to me over the years. The Lord gave me ways to deepen my relationship with him in a season where I had to wait and it felt like God wasn't answering my prayer and may never answer my prayer. And so the parts that are in bold are what we're focusing on today. They're very clear commands, in some senses practical ways to uh, dig the well deeper with the Lord. Trust in the Lord. As the Father was calling me into maturity, he is telling me to trust him, even today. In times of desperation, the words can seem a bit empty. Trust the Lord. Has anyone ever said that to you? Just trust the Lord. And inside, just screaming, how? I do, but nothing's happening. Trust in the Lord. When that's framed around a love relationship, adding your faith to that, we can learn to trust in the Lord. He's our good and perfect father. Anger, jealousy, resentment, and many other things will destroy your faith in God's goodness and affect our attitude towards everything. But going deeper with the Lord means trusting him in our times of trouble and distress, submission to his will in the hope and the knowledge and having faith that he will bring a resolution to our dilemma because he is our good and loving father. Take delight in the Lord. God wants to restore joy to your life. He wants me to know where I can find it in him. There are many delights and benefits to be found in God. But we must have the Holy Spirit open our eyes to what is around us. We need him to help us with that. Um, Just only a couple of weeks ago, I had had an incredibly flat week, very unmotivated. I think actually, confess it before you, it was the week after I came back from holidays. I was so flat. And, you know, the battle is often in our mind. You know, the enemy comes, he robs you of joy, he robs you of thoughts. And I felt very out of relationship. I came to church on Sunday I, I wasn't down, but I was, I was just flat, you know. Gave myself to worship. Desperation, hunger, God, I don't want to be like this. Please come, meet me where I'm at. I can tell you how I'm feeling, but you already know. And come and meet me. I can tell you, the Holy Spirit came. I can't, I can't even describe it to you, but from when worship started to when it finished, 
I felt completely different. The Lord had lifted it off me and replaced it with joy. As I focused adoration and praise onto God, the worships for him, again, he's a good and loving father, he exchanged what or how I was feeling for joy because he loves to give us benefits, even in worship. We all know how much worship is for him in our everyday, not just singing, but in every part of our lives as we worship him. But because he's a loving and faithful father, he gives us the benefits of that. He gives us good things. And so by the end of it, I felt so uplifted. I felt so connected to you all. And discovering that the battle is in the spirit and in my mind, it wasn't actually a reality. And so we can find joy, look for joy, ask for joy, Hold on to the Father. Don't let him go until he releases joy to you. Because his promise is that we can find joy in all circumstances. It's not a feeling. It's a gift that he gives us to enjoy and to carry. So his promise is that we can take delight in him every day. Commit your way to the Lord. Did I believe God was going to do all the things he said he would, particularly in that struggle with infertility? No, I did not. I did not believe that God was going to give me children. And then the next week, maybe I did think he would. So my faith ebbed and flowed. And you know what? God is okay with that. God is okay with that. However, he also wants us to have faith for it to grow. And he is our biggest cheerleader in saying, come on, I'm a good and faithful father. Have faith in me. Commit your way to me. You can trust me. Are we willing to believe God for who he says he is? What is the stumbling block there? Unbelief. Bill Johnson quoted as saying, unbelief is safe because it takes no risk and almost always gets what it expects. Isn't that so true? It takes a lot to have belief and a lot to have faith. But again, wrapped in that context of love, loving relationship with our Father, faith in who he says he is, it's easy when we partner with God, commit our way, trusting that he has wonderful intentions and purposes for our life. Believe God is good and that he never changes. I just love this scripture from Ephesians 3.20. Kirk's preached out of this, did a whole series on Ephesians, but it just grabbed me as I was writing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What an encouragement 
that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask of him or imagine. Am I willing to relinquish control and let God be God? It looks messy, but that's part of God's plan for our lives. Committing our way to him is not simple abandonment. It involves a commitment to roll away or to cast out our feelings that separate us due to our circumstances, separate us from God, our anger, resentment, disappointment. God expects and desires and longs for his children to be his children and to put themselves under his fatherly care. He loves to lead us. And the last one, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Am I able, are we able to simply rest in the Lord? Isn't there something I could be doing to hurry it along? Don't underestimate the power and the healing of lying face down in the carpet sobbing, whatever the circumstances might be. God doesn't expect us to be emotionless as we're waiting for him, as we're going deeper with him. One of the things that held me to being patient was the desire not to get out of step with God. That needed to be stronger than my desire to have what I was desperate to have, if I look back to the example of having children. I could have taken that into my control, but in some ways that's a false control because I'm still at the mercy of God. But in humanness, you can grab a hold of something and take control and think that you can help the situation along. But have that desire not to get out of step with God, not to get out of step with the Holy Spirit because everything is perfect in his timing. I practiced breathing in and out, in and out, in and out. We've had that a lot recently, teaching Luke to drive. You know, we've just done the 100 hours. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and we, we, we asked him if he would get his manual license, but we did about 60 hours in an automatic car before we went to the manual. And I did warn him that it's going to be like starting over again in a manual car. And, of course, you know, when they go with the driving instructor, they've got pedals and they've got access to brakes and so forth. We do not. The Pell parents, I don't know what the government is thinking, putting us in a car with our teenagers for 100 hours and we have no control. But aside from that, what was my point? Oh, <laughs> practice breathing in and out. When he would get stressed, hill starts. Who doesn't like hill starts in a manual car? Rolling back on the person behind you. There was a few times where I had to wrench on the handbrake and then I wrenched it on so hard that he couldn't undo it. <laughs> 
And uh, so we, you know, <laughs> I walked closely with God through this journey. <laughs> and God said, you know, just laugh, breathe and laugh, breathe and laugh. And so I, you know, I've had to speak that over Luke as the stress and anxiety. It's a very tense time in that little car when you think you're going to hit someone. I just said to him, breathe, let's breathe together. Breathe in, breathe out. We had a moment yesterday, even after doing 99 hours together. (laughs) Breathe, breathe in, breathe out. The power of breathing, I tell you, it's good. And I think it's in those times that God calms our spirits, calms our heart and uses time to minister to us, uses time to draw us deeper into him. That's the safest place in the world, being closer to God, being in his arms. So... Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I just thought we would do this. I don't know if you've ever seen this acrostically, the word wait, if you've ever had a teaching on this. What to do while you're waiting. Worship, adoration in prayer, intercession in prayer and remaining teachable. All those things will fill your time hugely, immensely, as you wait on God. They will have you go deeper with God. The Spirit will use those things. So as I was praying for you today, I feel like there are four areas that the Holy Spirit might want to minister in. I'll put them up here. So being able to trust in the Lord, you may have broken trust in your life. Someone may have broken trust with you that interferes with your relationship with God. Or maybe something didn't go according to how you thought God said it would and your trust in him is broken. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to minister to that today. He wants to bring healing and freedom. Delight. What robs our delight is disappointment. And disappointment in itself is not, you know, isolated a bad thing. It's a feeling. It's a circumstance. But when we overlay that onto God, we start to blame him and it separates us from him and it doesn't allow us to delight in our good and loving father. Committing our way, I've touched on this Do we have unbelief in God? Is our faith feeling weak? Does God want to encourage you today that you can trust him, you can commit your way to him? He can change your unbelief into belief in him. And it's possible to have belief for God and belief for things in lots of areas, but in one area of your life not have have unbelief in God that he will do that. And be still. In today's busy world, it's hard to be still. 
busyness distracts us. Maybe what we value is showing up in how we can't be still. Maybe we're making other things priorities because we genuinely think they're important and maybe they are. Maybe there's a readjustment of your life and your time so that you can be still and wait on God. Show me where you spend your time, money and energy and I'll tell you what you worship. Classic John Wimber phrase. Straight between the eyes. Very direct. But that's who he was. That's what we loved about the expression of God that came through him. So do we order our lives in such a way that have us going deeper with God, choosing to go deeper with God before or else, all things? We need to be intentional and conscious to keep God at the centre of everything we do. So why don't we stand and pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here right now. I thank you, Lord, that you are our good and perfect Father. I thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. And that we are your children. So Holy Spirit, I invite, invite you to come and stir in our hearts right now. Stir in our hearts, Lord. Show us, Father, where we have particularly, it's easy to, to be, um, to know in ourselves, where we've stopped going deeper with you. But Lord, show us today, Holy Spirit, through your revelation, blind spots in our lives that hinder us from going deeper with you, Lord, from making that choice, from knowing the safety of, of being able to do that, Lord, and seeing the freedom and the fruit in our lives. So come, Holy Spirit, bring your revelation. Mm.